Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Northern Connection podcast. This month we're doing a focus on crime fiction. And I don't know about you guys, but here at the Northern Connection we've found September to be a little bit of a brutal month. So I think crime fiction is probably quite fitting. Um, And it's been so brutal really that the five of us haven't had a chance to get together to do our usual book chat. So this month we're doing things slightly differently and just giving an individual recommendation of some of our favourite crime fiction. We've also got a chat with Tom from Northodox Press and we have a special author reading and I'm not going to spoil the surprise right now but you'll find out who that is later in the episode. Hope you enjoy. Hi, it's Rachel here. September has been a pig of a month. It's so bad that the reading has suffered and I've DNF more books this month than at any other point in the year. That isn't because the books have been bad, just my brain is too alive with other stuff to cope with their words. So I've fallen back on crime. Well, not committing it, but reading it. You see, crime might not pay, but it seems never to fail to pep up my flagging reading spirit. I've been trying to pin down what I want in a crime novel. I want to be drawn in and I want to be swept away without being so terrified that I can't concentrate on the story or sleep in my bed at night. I do enjoy a good crime series, one where I can see the characters develop over time. I'm also a sucker for a family saga, so a wider cast of characters radiating outwards is always a winner. In this category fall quite firmly Susan Hill's Simon Seralia books. They're a ten book series dealing with the investigations of senior police officer Simon Seralia. They begin with the various haunts of men and they move right through to book ten and there is rumours that book eleven is out next month. But there are so much more than crime. And as the series develops, it's Simon's wider family who really help to bring stories to life. They're a series littered with beautiful, meaningful subplots and well-rounded, believable characters. For the same reasons, I would rank other series such as Anna Cleve's Vera books and Robert Galbraith's series Strikes up there with my favourite. Historical fiction is also a huge pull for me. I think it's a real skill to try and construct a believable crime novel set in the past. The research needed, the attention to detail and everything in between is just to be admired. Some of my recommendations on this score would definitely be His Bloody Project by Graham McGrath Burnett, set on the Applecross Peninsula in Scotland in 1869. This is the story of Roddy McRae and his involvement in a triple homicide within his village. It's heartrending and it's unlike anything else I've read before. Another 19th century crime novel not to be missed is The Murder of Harriet Monkton by Elizabeth Haynes. Based on a true story, it examines the death of 23-year-old Harriet, who was found murdered in the outbuildings of her local chapel. With at least three lovers and various other people in the frame, Harriet's case is a complex one and in real life it was never solved. The novel draws on real-life documents, coroner's reports and testimonies and examines the hypocrisy surrounding the position of unmarried women at the time. Possibly something we've not really moved far on. So, just a few recommendations there from me and I can't wait to hear what my fellow Northern Connection podcasters have recommended.
Thanks, Rachel. And can't you just tell from that little reading that Rachel's a writer? Because that read like a little story and some great recommendations that I've never heard of. Next up, it's Rebecca. Like Emma and Rachel, I find that crime books are some of the best when your reading has taken a slump. And I read several crime books when we first went into lockdown. Karen Dion's The Wicked Sister sticks out. Not only is it an addictive and tense read, but the main character has an ability to understand animals, which was completely unexpected. The books I'm recommending were published a few years ago and are the Aidan Waits books by Joseph Knox. There are three in the series. Sirens is book one, The Smiling Man book two, and The Sleepwalker is book three. They are best read in order, as though the crime is new in each one, Aidan's story continues throughout all three. The location in the books, especially in Sirens, plays a big part in the story and is particularly relevant for our podcast as it's set in Manchester. It describes the back streets and all their grimy colours and I think only someone who has lived in and around Manchester could capture a place as well as Joseph has done. You really feel like you're walking every step with Aidan Waits and a lot of the time it is not somewhere you want to be. He's a troubled junior detective when we first meet him in Sirens. He's flawed, unreliable, but you do find yourself rooting for him and also constantly questioning how someone can repeatedly get themselves into such a mess. All three are incredible books and I hope there might be a fourth. Maybe one day, Joseph, if you're listening. Back to you, Jules. Thanks, Rebecca. And I'll just add in that I also love Joseph Knox's books, and they just get better and better. And if you haven't read it either, uh, this year he published True Crime Story, which is fiction based on a true story, but actually reads like true crime. And it's so brilliant and cleverly done. Definitely worth a read. Hi. It's Emma, and I'm going to share some recommendations with you. I love crime fiction. During the first lockdown, when my brain was just mush, I found that I turned to crime fiction more than any other type of reading. And I do find that when I'm in a spell where I'm struggling to read, crime usually gets me back on track. In terms of the type of crime that I do enjoy, um, I love the crime books that Arenda publish. I love Scandi, Nordic and Icelandic noirs. Um, I also really like Donna Leon's Brunetti series, which is set in Venice. It's a little bit lighter um, and has the most wonderful characters. And really, my favourite crime over the past 12 months um, has been the books which were written by Richard Osman. Now, initially, I didn't know what to expect, but... I was so bowled over by these books. They're just brilliant. The Thursday Murder Club is the first one. And if you loved it, well, then you will definitely love the second book, which has just been published in September. And it's called The Man Who Died Twice. These books are just the funniest, warmest, um, the most tender books that I've ever read about murder. And I find that I just want to uh, escape from the world as it is at the moment and these books were just an absolute gift. They're set in a retirement village which is called Cooper's Chase on the south coast of England and the main characters are called Ibrahim, Joyce, Elizabeth and Ron 
they're all from very different backgrounds, very different people, and they bring differing energies to their group, um, which they have called the Thursday Murder Club. It's a little club that they set up to solve open um, crime cases, which, which are officially cold. Um, and they have another friend who's poorly um, called Penny, and she's a retired uh, police officer. And when she retired, she um, smuggled some of the cold cases out of the office. And uh, as a hobby, the gang like to meet and they like to try to solve the crimes. But then one day they find themselves with a real murder on their hands and the fun really starts. So I can't recommend them enough. They're an absolute hoot. Um, If sort of funny crime is your thing, I'd also like to recommend Exit, which is by Belinda Bauer. And that was published in um, published earlier on this year by Penguin. So they're my recommendations. Over to you, Jules. Thanks, Emma. Now, I always thought that I wasn't much of a crime reader. And then when I started looking at the books that I was going to talk about in this episode, I realised I actually do read a fair bit of crime. And I like I like stuff that's quite dark. And I think with this has been evident in previous um, episodes of this podcast when we've spoken about liking dark things. So the first book I'm going to recommend is um, See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt. Um, it was actually published in 2017, so it's been out a few years now. And it is a retelling of um, the true story of Lizzie Borden. Um, on the back of the um, book, uh, there's just a little inscription. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax when she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Now, it is pretty dark, it's pretty grim, um, but like I say, really my cup of tea. Um, so if you do like dark and grim, that's one that I'd highly recommend. And then one of my favourite books of all time, um, not just crime, but of all time, is The Truth About the Harry Kubert Affair by Joel Dicker. Um, it's a bit of a, a complicated story to try and tell you in, in a short um, space of time, so I'm not going to go too much into it. Um, but it's set in 1975 in uh, Maine in America um, about Harry Kubert, who um, is an author, and he falls in love um, with a girl who is 15 at the time. Um, and I know that for some that'll be a bit controversial, but it's not that kind of book. Um, and 33 years later, her body is dug up from his yard along with the manuscript of his novel that made him famous. And he becomes the only suspect but... Did he do it? Read it to find out. And it was also made into a um, TV series um, starring Patrick Dempsey, which was always re- also really good. Um, and with it being set in Maine, some fantastic scenery in that programme as well. 
Um, a couple of recent books that I've really enjoyed would be uh, Paula Hawkins's A Slow Fire Burning. Um, I know a lot of people are raving about that at the moment and I do highly recommend that. And also um, Tall Bones by Anna Bailey, um, which is set in small town America, but Anna is not actually from small town America, although she did work there for um, some time. Um, and it's just so atmospheric and brilliantly done. Really loved it. Um, and I was very fortunate to meet both Paula and Anna at um, Theakston's Crime in Harrogate in um, July. And um, both lovely and both fantastic books. And my final recommendation for now um, would be uh, Will Dean's um, series of books, um, the Tuva Moodison series. Um, so the first one is Dark Pines, followed by Red Snow and Black River. And Bad Apples is the fourth one, which is due out um, next week, actually. And if you um, just stay tuned, we've got a reading coming up from Will next. Will Dean is probably best known for his Tuva Moodison series of books. His debut novel, Dark Pines, was selected for Zoe Ball's book club, shortlisted for the Guardian Not the Booker Prize and named a Daily Telegraph Book of the Year. His second book in the series, Red Snow, won Best Independent Voice at the Amazon Publishing Readers Awards in 2019 and was longlisted for the Theakston's Old Peculiar Crime Novel of the Year in 2020. The third novel in the series, Black River, was chosen as an Observer Thriller of the Month. Will's fourth novel, Bad Apples, is due to be released on 7th of October and having already read it, I'm sure it's going to be just as successful as all the others. Will also released a standalone thriller, Last Thing to Burn, in January this year and has just announced another standalone, Firstborn, which will be released in 2022. We're very grateful to Will for taking time out of his extremely busy schedule to record part of Bad Apples for us now. Thanks, Will. The street lights have been covered over with rough sacks. There are slits and holes cut into the sacks, so they let out some light. But it's weak, and it moves around with the breeze. Visburg Town Square is a dark place tonight. The next thing I notice as I approach the side of the dental surgery is the smell bonfire smoke and grilled meat and rancid old apples. The air is thick with the sickly sweet smells of autumn. I adjust my mask and walk past a fire basket and on towards the hive. The wood spits and hisses. The bee on the roof is illuminated like it normally is, but it's spinning at least 20 times faster. I'm mesmerised as it turns, blurry. Its squeak has sped up to a buzz, a low hum. The thing looks like it might fly off the roof at any second. No cars around, no vehicles of any description. I'm 20 metres from the square when I hear it. The howls, 
the cackles and the chanting and the manic laughter. How many locals have gathered for this? There are 3,000 residents or so in this town. Take away the kids and the grandparents looking after the kids and that must leave almost a thousand souls. I walk past empty pans, saucepans with glass lids and cast iron cauldrons as tall as my knee, bowls of peeled eggs left beside some of the pans, peeled and white and sat in clear liquid. My vision is impeded by the fog and the wood smoke and the darkness, but most of all, this hog hide mask. It smells of the wilderness, of rotten meat. A couple walks past me, a man wearing a dark business suit and a head mask made from bear. The headdress covers his head and hangs down his back, thick brown fur. His partner is blonde, short, her face is hidden beneath a black welder's mask. She's wearing a grey sweater and a grey miniskirt, only they're not grey anymore, they're red. She's covered herself in red paint or synthetic blood. Just a guy and a girl out for a stroll. He's pushing a pram, an old-fashioned pram with four spoked wheels. I can't see what's inside. It's completely dark. As they pass me, she rubs his crutch with her hand and he lifts his bare head and he grunts. More fire baskets. I turn into the square and there are perhaps a hundred small fires, each with a healthy stack of birch logs next to it. Mist mingles with smoke. The air is heady. The atmosphere is electrified, like an inner city estate just before a riot. Another couple approach. The woman is a backwards walker. He's facing me with a simple black sheet mask and she's pacing in reverse, holding his hand, her brown leather mask facing forwards, her eyes looking back, her body facing back, but her mask looking forwards. Her black balloon is small, the size of a light bulb. It's helium-filled, rising into the sky on a three-metre string. His is larger, like the ones Hans Wimmer showed me inside his premium storage unit. Larger than a human head and spray-painted black. Misshapen. Bulbous. It's on a short string. It bobs around as they walk. They stumble past me and I hear him mumble. And I shall fear no evil. Manic laughter from the bandstand. Plumes of smoke rise vertically off this stunted mountain. Shrieks of delight and pain from the locals. I get the feeling they've been waiting all year for this, for their private night. A very grown-up event they probably heard rumours of as children. Like Midsummer. This is a brief moment where they get to loosen their modern Swedish morals and shake off the 20th century and delve back into their dark past, the Middle Ages, the Viking period and beyond. Stretching back to their animal heritage, pre-Christian, pre-Sweden even. A thousand savages for one night. How creepy does that sound? I can certainly say that Gavrik and Visberg are towns that I would not want to live in. I've um, been lucky enough to read Bad Apples after getting a proof and I can confirm that it is super creepy but absolutely brilliant as is all of Wildeen's previous books and if you have read 
the first three, then I can guarantee you that you're going to love Bad Apples as well. It certainly got a five stars from me. Welcome to Tom Copeland, who is a founder and publisher at Northodox Press. Tom is going to give us into an insight of what it's like to be a publisher based in the North. Tom, can you tell us about Orthodox Press? Um, whereabouts are you based? Yeah, of course. First of all, I'd like to say thank you so much to Emma and Rachel for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Um, I think one of the brilliant things about being a publisher in today's world, especially what lockdown has shown us, is that you don't necessarily need to be based anywhere. I mean, we're a UK publisher and we have, I call them offices, they're more like spare rooms, really. We have a spare room in Sheffield, Manchester um, and Cumbria. Um, but we really work across the whole of the UK because our web, if you like, because we work with graphic designers and editors and literary agents all over the country, really. So although we are based in the north, we do span across the whole of the UK. Fantastic. Yeah, I think all, I think some of the best ideas happen in spare bedrooms, don't they? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I mean, this probably this the idea for the publishers was probably created in a pub. To be honest, at some point, me and the other founders we all went to uni together. This was probably a drunken idea that just got out of hand. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best kind, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What kind of books does Northodox publish? Um, so predominantly we publish uh, crime fiction. I think it's really important to have some kind of niche um, purely for momentum. Um, it just keeps you going, keeps you uh, driving at something. But we don't like to be bound by, you know, the crime umbrella. If you look at the books we've published, um, they all blend. So our first one was a historical crime blend. The second one, science fiction. And then psychological with crime as well. Um, mm -hmm. And at No Orthodox, that's what we're really eager to do, kind of break free of those kind of genre restrictions and cross-blend wherever we can. Okay, so why were you attracted particularly to publishing crime? Um, I mean, who doesn't love a good crime novel, you know what I mean? Most of us, most of us don't live in a criminal world. You know, we, we have no insight into what, the criminal world is like and I think that level of kind of escapism being able to access that criminal world um, from the safety of outside outside of a book um, I think that's quite um, intoxicating and certainly me, me and my colleagues we, all, we were all reading different things at university where we met but we had a common ground in crime and we think that crime sells really well. Yeah. Great. And um, I know you said that you work with lots and lots of different people, graphic designers and illustrators and everything, but how many people are sort of the core of Northodox? So initially it was just three of us. Um, and as I say, it was kind of started in a pub, kind of in a spare room kind of thing. Um, but we've expanded to include two editors now. We've only been going just over a year, really. We've expanded to include two editors, um, but we try and contract out as well. Um, we, we've got some, we've, we, we pride ourselves in being quite good proofreaders, but you, you know, you'll know yourself. So as soon as you've read something a hundred times, 
you know, there's certain things that are always going to slip through, like classics, yeah. classics that are out today. You know, people are finding mistakes in them and stuff. And how many times will they've been edited? Uh, so you have to contract out to proofreaders um, and give them a bit of business as well. And graphic designers, I mean, we, when the budget was a bit smaller, we were trying to do as much as we possibly could ourselves. But I mean, going forward as we move, I don't even know if I'm meant to be revealing this. I might get topped off later, but um, we're we're hoping to move. Idea, in... <laughs> Breaking news! You know, there's yeah. you know the angel and devil on the shoulder. The angel's going yeah. stop, and I'm just flicking him off the shoulder and listening to the devil. Don't um, to we're we're hoping about to move into like a young adult kind of um, the young adult kind of sphere. And as we move into that, we're hoping to use illustrators more to illustrate the books. Um, and we are talking to illustrators at the minute about an upcoming title that they, they would definitely shoot me if I told you what it was called. But I've <laughs> told you that much, which is probably too much of it. <laughs> That's super. Um, I was going to ask you, so, so your name, I love the name Northodox. It's fantastic. Do you tend to attract mainly northern writers or do you attract from across um, across the country? It depends on whether people read our about section or not on the website before they submit, which uh, a lot of people seem not to. Um, we, we, we see Northern writers initially as, I, I, might use, I might use up one of your other questions here, but we saw Northern writers originally as swiftly becoming a kind of marginalised group, if you like. We came out of university all eager to break into um, and, you know, even a quick Google would show you just the, the sheer amount of um, publishing opportunities in the South compared to the North. I mean, it's insane, the ratio. There's so few um, in the North in comparison to the South. And that's why we wanted to kind of, there, there are a lot of good publishers doing this, but we wanted to not so much leave the charge, just join the charge to make the, the, the North a powerhouse again. Um, so we do predominantly, our mission is to publish Northern authors, that's what we want to do, and authors that have previously not been given a platform, that they're the kind of authors we're aiming for, really. Yeah. And what makes um, Northern writing stand out for you? Um, it, it's re that, is a, that is a really tricky question, because I wouldn't say that, it stands. I, could, I mean, I could sit here and talk like um, an advert to a BBC documentary, uh, BBC crime drama or something, and I'd say it's hard hitting and gritty and you know that kind of thing. Um, I think Northern writing has an authentic sense of place within the North, um, even if it's not stated that it's in a Northern town. I feel like you can always get an authentic sense of place when it's in the North. Um, there's usually some kind of it's kind of familiar. It's kind of some kind of community feel. Um, yeah, de yeah, definitely the sense of place, I think. Okay. Right. Do you have a favourite book by a Northern writer or a book based in the North? Yes. Well, Clockwork Orange would be my favourite book by a Northern writer, by Anthony Burgess. He's mm -hmm. in Manchester. He's a Northern writer. But if you were to ask me, my favourite book, kind of set in the north, I would say Dracula by Bram Stoker. You know, it, it features Whitby. It's one of my favourite books. 
And if you were to ask me for my favourite book published by a northern publisher, I would say um, The Disappearance of Adele, and I'm definitely going to say it's wrong because it's a bit French, Adele Bedeau by Graham McRae Bernay. And that's by um, a publisher called Saraband, which is in Manchester. Oh. I haven't heard that. Is, I'm going to get this wrong. Did he write um, the one set in Scotland as well about the um, about the clearances that was the crime, historical crime thriller? It, which, it, it, there is another one. Project. Yes, yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there's me going that that one. That no, one, no, that one. no, that was it. That was impressive. Like, I thought you were going to ask that. I was really hoping you were going to ask me for the name of it because I haven't. Yeah, it. no, I'm sitting here I trying to. That. It was like the whole cogs were wearing. Getting yeah, no, great. Graham himself is Scottish. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, no, he's a, he's a fantastic writer. Not not well known enough, a, a, like undeservedly. Mm. No, I thought that was an amazing book, actually. I mean, it's a long time since I've read it now, probably a good three, four years ago, but actually really stands out in my brain as as historical crime that was very different um, and also a lot about social justice in there. So I'm Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the Disappearance of Adele Bedore, like I say, it's, it's a really weird book. It's a really weird book that I think would never get published by... I, I mean, I don't think you'd hate me for saying this. It would never get published by one of the maybe more conventional publishers, and that's what makes it so brilliant. You know, it, it's so niche and cool. I mean, it, it really is one of the most refreshing books that I've read for a long time. It's because how weird yeah. it is. I'll have to look that one up, actually, because his bloody project was really very good, and I've recommended that to a lot of people. So, no, that was, that's great. Thanks. In terms of publishing, then, what do you look for when you receive an, a manuscript? What, what is it that you, you're looking for? Well, one of the wonderful things about owning a third in a publishing company is it has two other people that you can argue with, and we all have subjective tastes. Um, and that's good in a way and hard in others. Like, for example, I really, I'm not a big fan of slow page turners. And I never have been. That's just that's just where I'm. I like the first sentence to grab me. I like them to be pacey. I'd rather a book be kind of short and pacey than kind of a slow burner. Whereas a lot of uh, whereas my 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 two colleagues James and Ted, they both quite like slow burners. And in the past, I've seen we've we've taken on slow burners and I've been like, nope, don't like that. And it sold really well, which proves that I'm I'm wrong. I'm wrong and it's good to have those kind of two people there so uh, in terms of like actual taste I like quite zany weird characters um Ted he likes kind of steampunky type stuff um James has got a real head for um kind of what will sell well um the things like that and I think we'll, we all just share a passion about um books that are set in the north and that uh, and the kind of voice that northern writing has and i think that's what draws us together in the end despite our differences <laughs> it's good to have those differences actually because yeah. you know if you can agree on one thing it you know it yeah. must appeal to a lot of people the amount of times we've had meetings and they've um, they've pitched a book to me and i've said well you're wrong but okay let's do it <laughs> and it's turned out to be really good and i've had kind of egg on me first but that's i mean that's what's so good about um it being a democracy yeah, yeah. absolutely i mean we find that with us 
I mean, not in, we're not publishers, but even just us five on the podcast, we have very different views on 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 certain things. There are some books we all agree on, but there are some books that we we definitely don't agree on. So you know that that's that makes for an interesting discussion, doesn't it? Yeah, so in terms of indie publishers, who you know, and we're massive advocates of indie publishers, and probably some of the best stuff we've read this year has come from independent publishers. Mm. Who do you admire as an indie indie publisher? So when we started Northodox, we were very, very keen not to be an isolated publisher. A lot of publishers, they think they're just, some publishers think I'll just go it alone. I don't need to make connections and stuff like that. It's, It's competitive, if you like. And we've never been about that. We've always been about building those bridges. And I think it's because we share this, we share this kind of mission with the rest of, a lot of the well most of the independent publishers in the north are all about building a platform for northern writers and that's what we want to do as well and quite often if we're not able to if we don't feel we're like we're in a position to publish something we will uh, signpost those offers to other publishers that we've worked with in the past that we know are good people and can do a good job and are in a better place to publish it than we are so some of them that i would recommend is i've already mentioned sarah band um there in Manchester, they, they do a lot of good stuff. Um, Comma Press as well, if people are familiar with them. Um, yeah. yeah, no, they're fantastic. Uh, Northodox, um, we're, we're judging a short story competition. They've got, in fact, it's it's me who's officially on the paper is judging the short story competition they're doing. But well, I'm sure the other lads will get involved as well. Um, they do loads of good stuff uh, with off- the offer opportunities and competitions and things like that. They do a lot of cool stuff. Um, Fox and Windmill, they're a publisher in yeah. Bradford. You're familiar with that. They do yeah. um, they do fantastic things for kind of uh, South Asian Northern writers. They offer a really good platform for them. And uh, Master House as well. I don't know how familiar you are with them, but they do... Uh, terrific things. They, they, they champion uh, female authors um, and other marginalised groups. They do a fantastic job as well. So there's, there'll be loads more, but they're just far off the top of my head who I do really admire. Great. And and actually, my next question was going to be about the challenges and, and also the benefits of being Northern based. But I think it sounds like um, in terms of benefits, you, you, you have a great support network and that would definitely be one of the benefits of being northern based absolutely yeah it's i think it's so important i would advise this to anybody who wants to maybe start their own independent press don't isolate yourself don't go into it thinking you know you, you you've read enough it can't ever hurt to have connections with people and people aren't going to look at you like are oh, you the competition or or any of that at the end of the day everybody wants to any good publisher wants to create that platform for for writers um, I mean, I would say in terms of being a publisher based in the north, I don't feel as though there are challenges in terms of location. Um, the north, as I said, northern writers as a marginalised group, they're an untapped goldmine of talent, really. Um, it can be challenging. As I say, the, the big five are all in London. Um, a lot of the big crime stories that you see now, they seem to be either London thrillers or some cosy crime set in the Cotswolds. Um, and w- when we first entered the business, we couldn't understand why this was. Um, and that's why we really wanted to represent those authentic Northern voices and plots. 
that's okay. really really interesting what books do you like to read yourself when you're not reading for um your job and you're not scouting manuscripts what do you what do you like to read well i got i go to somewhere with absolutely no internet connection and leave my phone in the other room so i'm able to do this um, i try and read as widely as possible i read um i read so much crime that i do try and read across other genres as well um Again, I say a, a genre blend, but I think it's really important to read as widely as possible. Um, at the minute, I'm reading um, kind of a crime horror story, and that's um, it's called The Ghost House, and it's by Helen Pfeiffer. Um, she's a, she's an author from Barry and Furnace. She's very, very, uh, very, very good. Uh, she's published by Bookature at the minute. Um, also you'll know this one so ready player one yeah yeah ready player one by ernest klein science fiction um that's they're the two i'm kind of simultaneously reading at the minute and although i've just uh mentioned uh cotswold causing crime i have actually just read one um uh gotta forget what, forget what it's called now i read one it was very good i can't tell you what it was though <laughs> <laughs> Something, something of uh, Little Barrington. No, no, I haven't heard no. of it. But no, no so, something, something of Little Barrington, and it was all about a gin distillery and someone who was murdered in one. And it was fantastically interesting, and I'm not doing it justice at all by not remembering what it's called. Anything with a gin distillery and sounds fine. I know, right? Hopefully, yeah. when you when you when you post this podcast, someone will someone will write in or tweet or something saying it was so and so. It fool. was this one. How <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was really good. Jules might know. She's quite heavily into her gin. She's probably read the one with the Jules with the gin. <laughs> <laughs> and then I suppose if we could just finish up by asking which orthodox book you would recommend for us to read. Oh well, all of them, obviously. All of them. Um, I was going to say that's I, like choosing your favourite child, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> uh, if you're going to force me at gunpoint to tell you one. Um, <laughs> One I edited on most myself um, was one called Airedale, and it's by Dylan Byford, um, and that was the science fiction crime crossover. And it's a really interesting story um, about a near future city in Yorkshire um, where a flyer they're called. They're, they're like these, these these people who kind of glide on these wings recreationally crash through the factory of um they kind of they kind of grow meat meat in the future and he crashes she crashes through the factory and dies in mysterious circumstances and a data analyst has to investigate it and it's a really cool story of kind of fat cat corruption and also uh, analyzing data and stuff and if you're a big nerd like me you're really interested in that kind of thing so it's really cool <laughs> fantastic <laughs> and is there anything coming up in from the press that we should be on the lookout for oh i feel like we're we're venturing into waters where i'm gonna get myself in trouble again um <laughs> right okay so idea. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got one coming out on the 25th of november and it's called girl beneath the ice and it's by joseph darlington um, and it's a really interesting murder mystery. Um, what I can 
I'm just going to go ahead and exclusively reveal the name of the young adult fiction we're going to bring out that I'm definitely not meant to be talking about. Um, it's it's called Clockwork Magpie, and it's by an author called Emma Whitehall, and it's going to be out February 2022. Um, it's our first piece of young adult fiction, and it was the one that convinced us to move into that area is just tremendously good. If you've ever seen... Go on, sorry. No, I was going to say, it's got to be pretty good if it's something that takes, uh, encourages you to take a change of direction. We all read it and just thought, this is brilliant. Um, every now and again, you just you just get something in the inbox and you're just like, wow, wish I could write like that. It's just mm. tremendous. Um, I don't know if you've ever read The Lies of Lot Lamara by Scott Lynch, but it's it, it's like a, the heroine's like a, like a female Loch Lamora, she's kind of this. I don't. I'm, I'm going to give too much away again. She's kind of got this this double life where she's um, she lives a civilian life and a criminal life. I'll leave it at that. But it's it's fantastically interesting. I do love a, someone who has got a double life. <laughs> <laughs> We've got those. We have double lives, Emma. <laughs> Me too. I pretend. By day, writer yeah. by night. And, uh, pretend, I've got a double life. I pretend I'm a competent professional, and then I come on here for 20 minutes, and you've got everything that I'm not meant to be talking to, talking about. <laughs> out of me. Thank you for doing that. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for spilling thank, the beans. Thank you for having me. So we just wanted to mention some of the book festivals which are taking place in the north in October. So there's the Off the Shelf Festival, which is taking place in Sheffield. There's the Ilkley Literature Festival and also the Durham Book Festival. All three have a mixture of online and in-person events. You should check them out. We've put some links in the show notes. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much to Tom Copeland from Northodox for chatting with us and to Will Dean for the reading from Bad Apples. We really hope you've enjoyed our recommendations. You'll find a list of all the books in the show notes along with various links. Next month, we're going to be chatting about our favourite autumn reads. We hope you'll join us.